1: From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast, which features stories and information about the weather and climate. Then we take that information and we use experts from AccuWeather and around the world, and we put it all together in trying to help you weatherproof your life on a day-to-day basis. I'm your host, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. It's my pleasure to be with you here every week. This is our second episode in our spring series. As uh, we're getting ready for some of the warmest months of the year. It's March Madness time, too. And so in our first Raise of Focus segment, we're going to talk a little sports. You know, that's my other love. As the voice of Beaver Stadium and Penn State football and public address announcer and radio announcer for many other Penn State sports as well. It's a labor of love, and we'll talk to an old friend. Dave Jones will be back with us to talk about Where we are in March Madness and where we are going in terms of sports, how baseball is going to be, and whether or not college football is going to get back to some normalcy. That'll be in our first Rays of Focus segment. March is also National Weather Podcast Month, and we've been featuring some of our own podcasts, and we're going to go off the ranch here. We're going to talk to someone from a podcast outside of AccuWeather. Now, we know that some of our AccuWeather friends contribute to this, including Becky DePodwin, who you heard from just a couple of weeks ago. Becky recommended the disaster podcast as something we should learn more about. And we'll do that in segment two. And then in our third segment, we'll talk to Paul about the extended forecast. My friends, time to settle back and get ready because it's time to talk about everything under the sun. Early spring is usually a time of excitement, especially for those of us who are sports-oriented, whether it's getting ready to get outside more and play the sports that we love to do outside ourselves, or just that time of year when usually March Madness is going on and we're getting ready for the Masters, first big golf tournament of the year. Of course, the sports world schedules and way we play and compete has certainly been turned upside down in the last 15 months since the pandemic and COVID, and it's been a while since we checked in with my friend Dave Jones who has been covering and working around uh, Penn State sports as long as I have since 1989 and even five years before that he worked for the Columbus Dispatch so now with PennLive.com he's a very opinionated guy in fact our opinions and things uh, don't always match you're going to hear that when we uh, talk here but What I do trust that David always does is kind of gives me a blunt perspective of some of the things that he knows really well. One of those is college basketball. Another is college football and sports in general. What I really wanted to talk about was uh, an article that he wrote a few weeks ago about how just not seeing people being around sports has been affecting him. So it's a good chance to welcome in my friend Dave Jones to Everything Under the Sun. Well, my friend, it's good to talk and see you uh, as we uh, look here on Zoom together, because um, I read the article that you wrote at the beginning of March.
2: We call uh, it an oracle in the mid uh, Do we? It's <laughs> okay. like Ouija, the amazing oracle. <laughs> I, I read that oracle you put in. I your read it,
1: that oracle that you wrote and yeah. uh, it, it hit home. I, I couldn't I couldn't finish you without crying a little bit. Talk Which one are you talking subjects. about? The article about not being able to not only go to the NCAA oh, yeah, tournament yeah, yeah, in yeah, person, yeah, 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 yeah. but then lamenting about all that you've missed and especially those moments with your son. Yeah. Now, I'm in the exact opposite. I got to extend my sporting working success to my father, who loved Penn State sports. And so as I became up came up through the ranks and got more important jobs, including the stadium and basketball. Remember, I PA basketball for a while. I would get, you know, get the perks, not, you know, intentional perks, but of that to share him because he loved that stuff. And so this is all part and parcel. I've had a tough time this year and we haven't talked for a long time since we were back figuring out what was going to happen with college football Now we're all the way into college basketball. And so I I wanted to bring you on because I know, and especially now that you've been through that first weekend without being somewhere in person, um, what it was like and kind of catch up with you too about uh, what this year has been like, what you think and where you think sports are in general. And then also take a look to the future and see where you think we're going here, because Obviously, this is our generation's. In
2: my opinion, World War II. This has totally changed. Oh, let's landscape. not get too dramatic. Come on, Dave. well,
1: in terms of life-changing things, oh, in terms lonely. of, I disagree. You with don't.
2: That. You, you okay? No. All right. No.
1: I I, no. I think it's I think it's getting close in terms of transformational about certain things. You do you really believe we'll get back to six seven times a year, hundred thousand people in a stadium?
2: No, I don't think. I, I don't. I agree with you there. I don't. Think okay. We will. And we we had a little exchange, you know, after that, I, I I think people are going to, I think their, their behavior has been altered in the workplace and everything they do to such an extent that I don't believe we're ever going back to that point. You're right. I don't know where we're going. I ain't, I ain't no soothsayer, but I don't know. uh, I I don't think that's going to be in the cards.
1: Let's talk about your experience this past week. How was it? I mean, we're. I know from me working at home from the last year, I mean, there were times and and we're getting to that point where we're probably going to be able to get back to AccuWeather headquarters here pretty soon. But I know I slept like a baby on the biggest snowfall storms of the year, which normally I can't because I got to worry about breaking my neck to go into AccuWeather to try to tell people not to break their neck, right? I didn't have to do that. I could actually enjoy a snowstorm. So there are things about this setup I like, but I hate not being around the people that I... Know and love,
2: right? I mean, you, we, we're in this. I, I did a whole, I did a whole column a couple of years ago about my most harrowing trips to venues, uh, and they are all almost all involved snow because basketball. It's all right. about snow, and I think right. only one was football, which was the blizzard of '96 for the Michigan game. Yeah, i spent my entire career driving over 100 miles, two and a half hours all the way right? back into Columbus yeah. when I covered the MAC. And I was going to uh, Ohio University, which was 75 miles away, and Miami University. I'm so old, I covered Ron Harper, and now I'm wow. writing about his kid. You are getting uh, old. I covered Ron Harper on that 85 Miami team, and I was on the way there once, which is, I'm driving a company Fairmont that that is going into like a 40-mile-an-hour gale. Is that a gale? I'm sorry, that's a fresh that's breeze. That's
1: close enough, yeah. It's, no, that's a gale. You're good. <laughs>
2: You I want to use the correct lady. term. I can't, I can't yeah. be, be just throwing around terms with you guys. Right. Right. Uh, and the car would not, I had it floored. It was going like 42 miles an hour. So I get <laughs> off at a truck stop and I wait and I wait and I wait and the snow is just coming down. Right. And I finally don't have any choice, but I got to leave. I, so I called the office uh, from the payphone inside the truck stop because this is way before cell phones. And told them, "Look, I can't do this." They said, "Fine, just just hang out and wait and see what happens." And you know, it's like seven o'clock, and I try to turn around and get on the entrance ramp. And I'm guessing where the entrance ramp is on Dinner (laughs) State 70. I really don't know. Next thing I know, I'm back on there, and it's pitch black. There's snow. You know how when you go into the snow, it's going so right, and it's
1: mesmerizing, right? Like it's it's almost easier to see,
2: but when you go with the wind. Then it's going, you know, in, in and you really don't know where the hell you are. I am terrified and I'm going like 20 miles an hour and I'm guessing where the road is. And I don't know what the hell I've gotten myself into because you can't stop or you might no. get hit by some. Right. Semi.
1: Because and people are following you, your taillights. Well, you're there, there, was nobody, there was nobody. There was nobody. There was nobody out
2: there. Well, And finally, I saw in my rearview mirror headlights and they're barreling toward me. And I know it's got to be a semi and I make up my mind. I'm going <laughs> to get to the right as far as I think I should and let this guy around me and I'm going to follow him back into Columbus which is like 60 it's mi- 70 miles away. Right. And that's what I did. And I just trusted him. If he'd not figured out where the road was, we were both going to die.
1: So that sounds like <laughs> one of a probably a dozen stories. Oh yeah, there was one up right?
2: the Syracuse, there was there was there. have been people all over the place. I've had bad so experiences
1: coming back from Buffalo, you know, and that's that uh, the the. But Lake at least, but there.
2: Dean, at least you came back from Buffalo, well, right? That's there you important. go, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh,
1: well, um, yeah. I know you're you are a weather aficionado, and I know that's a big part of the the ease of now this covering uh, these winter sports. Um, but I know we're all longing to get back to normalcy. Um, what just, Dave? From your standpoint, what do you think the popularity of sports? I mean, sports used to be a diversion. Is it still the diversion that people are turning? I don't to? think it is.
2: I've got a twenty-one-year-old kid. You know, he was in the story you were talking about. He enjoys sports. He played sports. He always enjoyed playing sports than watching more than watching sports compared to our generation, where you just loved getting up on Sunday morning and relished. Everything about the NFL day, you know, this the NFL on CBS and they're playing confidence. And at, least, at least for
1: me, it was it was time with my grandfather because he was yeah. he's the one that got yeah. me into the NFL. And well, we, I, yeah, watched, was-
2: I watched Phillies games with Nick and I took him to the uh, playoff game. It was like a rare day off where I, you know, I never covered the Phillies, really. So I could really root for the Phillies. That was yeah, their, yeah
1: your one sport you could actually I, be. Yeah.
2: When Nick was nine, <laughs> yeah. I bought. I threw some money at seats in the upper deck behind home plate for the Sabathia-Brett Myers Victorino game, the Victorino Grand Slam. And I mean, it was epic. It was the the game against the Brewers. That was the kind of experience we loved. And now you can't watch baseball anymore, man. It's unwatchable. It is. I agree. The the Sabre Geeks have ruined it. And I don't know if it's going to come back or what, but they got to put a time limit on pitches. Yeah. You go look back at box scores from 50 years ago. And I looked at a five, two game that was two hours and six minutes. And that was the norm back then. Can right. you imagine a two yeah. hour baseball game? It would be a you lot would better. You feel like,
1: well, could you imagine a two and a half hour football game? Like we used to have. Yeah. Right? Well, right. I, right.
2: I I would just really, I think baseball has been really, really hurt by a times of the games are completely out of control. Um, pitching changes, guys getting out of the box and doing the Richie Hebner thing. I'm, I'm really dating myself now, but um, <laughs> that and the obsession with launch angle and swinging as hard as you can on everything and right. either, either get a walk, a strikeout or, or a home run. And that's not fun. That's no good. So I hell I mean, if I had to sit through three and a half hour games and I was eighteen or nineteen, I wouldn't be sitting through this product. Baseball's in real trouble. I think the n f l is healthy, and basketball's somewhere in between, especially college basketball. college basketball is in a very squirrely place right now, yeah,
1: I agree um, because of the uncertainty of how the leagues and and are we still hanging over from some of these. Criminal investigations in college basketball. No, nobody or? cares.
2: And no, Sean Miller's still there. You know, Will Wade's still there. I mean, the 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 NCAA gave up essentially gave up autonomy to the power conferences um, in 2015, and they are they barely have an inform, enforcement uh, branch right now. I mean, if if you don't get rung up for what Will Wade and Sean Miller did at LSU in Arizona, you're just not gonna. Right. I mean, there is there is there a toothless organization and all they want to do is get the money. Um, the problem is there are now sectors of basketball that are trying to get a piece of that money when kid or kids are 18 or 19 and 20. That's yeah. never been true before where there's an, an attractive sector where they're going to try to monetize that and just put people, put kids at that age in a place where they can develop for the NBA. And LaMelo Ball.
1: Outside of a. Yeah,
2: LaMelo Ball is a perfect example of what he did in Europe. He played over there for a year, came back, and he was ready, man. I mean, would he have been that ready going to LSU? You know, Ben Simmons' extra year at LSU didn't help him. But the the point is that college basketball, I'm not sure kids view it, prospects view it in the light that they did 10 or 20 or certainly 30 years ago, where it's going to help them. Make money. I think NIL, um, name, image, and likeness, is absolutely essential for the NCAA to deal with it, to okay it, okay it with certain guidelines.
1: And for for those who don't understand that, that's the players in college now are really pushing that. Look, you're using my name, my image, my likeness to make money. Yeah, we want to
2: use it. We, gonna, piece, I we be want a piece. We to have it. Right, we want contract.
1: control, and we want the yeah. piece of it that we're entitled to. So uh, you've talked about how you, you think that the, the college basketball is in a tenuous place. Where do you think we are going into now college football's uh, getting ready for the fall when it looks like there could be some normalcy, in fact, in terms of getting some fans back? I
2: think college thing. football's problem is regionalization because football, college football is just more important in the South than it is anyplace else. Uh, really, you're talking about the SEC and a little bit of the, the, the Big 12 and a little bit of the Big 10. But Ohio State is really the only program commensurate to the SEC. It acts like an SEC program and it recruits the same way. Right. But man, I, I think the real problem is that it's become very regional and this the, the tournament structure reinforces it because only four teams make the playoff. Well, who are those four teams going to be? They're they're almost always going to be the same ones. Right. Alabama, Clemson, maybe Notre Dame, Georgia. It's all those southern teams with maybe Ohio State. The only northern teams that have been involved in that, know I mean, Oklahoma has gotten a bunch of bids. I think you can you can take care of eighty percent of the bids in the first um, seven years of this thing. With those five schools. Right. That, that shouldn't be.
1: No, that's not. But it's it's because, not. It's unhealthy.
2: Yeah, it's unhealthy, but it's because they keep getting the bids. There aren't enough bids. If you put eight bids in the mix, that's my main argument for an 18 playoff. Then, you have a breadth of candidates who can then recruit and say, "We were in the playoff. We were in the playoff." You have to have a champion from and, the And then you bring
1: that next level up to a place where right. you're having more right. than three or four. Now right.
2: you're having maybe twelve. Right and now, hopefully, you can get to i mean, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I went down to Maryland, um, where a kid named Brian Bressy who was a really good, a, a Joey Boso level defensive lineman, was trying to decide whether he was going to go to Maryland or Clemson, or or Penn State, or Ohio State, I think, were his candidates. And I mean, he went to Clemson. Why would that kid go to Clemson if this, what what I've just been talking about, had not happened? He's not going to go to Clemson 10 years ago. He's going to go to Penn State, or Ohio State, or Maryland. I mean, this is what's happened. And unless you expand the playoff, I don't see any end to it because football – let, let's just face it. If you haven't been in the south, you don't know. College football is huge mm-hmm. in the south in a way that it probably used to be in the WPIAL 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that time is over in Western PA, everywhere in the north. It just isn't the same. I Texas I think,
1: Texas is on the Texas is close, right? Yeah.
2: Well, te- I consider Texas part of the SEC because yeah. A&M's in it. Right. that's, that's part true. of it it's part of the south to me it's part okay. of that anything surrounding the gulf from florida to texas i where mean the it, nice it, weather is all year know, long it's, right? <laughs> it's where it's not it's where it's important it's where right. people base their lives around football season and their their free time uh when august hits they are all in
1: and i think uh in other parts of the world too other than the south everybody's other lives has encroached more on their time to be able to have a passion like sports, like followings, and I think Plus the that's the parent part. I mean,
2: it. a lot of parents are worried about uh, head knocks, or worried no. about concussions. There we go, and they're they're funneling their kids into other sports, uh, lacrosse or soccer or sports that used to be very very peripheral. They're mm. not anymore. No, and kids aren't playing football. My own kid had two concussions when he was seven and ten from freak accidents. And I took him to the pediatrician because he wanted to play when he was 13. He wanted to start playing 14 and my pediatrician who I loved. It was terrific. He said, I can't in good conscience uh, recommend this. So Nick didn't play football. Instead he played baseball. He played uh, lacrosse. He played other sports.
1: I I think that, of all the sports out there, lacrosse is the one sport that could almost at some point replace football in terms of spectacle. It's got a feel to it, but. but
2: it's exclusionary as far as race in the same way that golf club, country club sports are.
1: I, I, I've seen that gotten better. It shouldn't, better. Be. It shouldn't seen, be. I'm seeing it getting better. Being being at the games and being yeah. around, it's getting better. It and, shouldn't be because one just of the, like in one golf, of, it's getting better.
2: As everyone older. in lacrosse knows, the greatest the, the greatest lacrosse player ever was. Jim Brown, Jim Brown. That's what they say. Anyway, I don't know. I had no,
1: I I had actually a a friend who actually started lacrosse at Penn Manor uh, in Lancaster County, but he played with Jim Brown at Syracuse. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so what did he say? Oh, uh, by far, and just a warrior mentality. I mean, and that's the nice thing about that sport. I mean, My it's friend, a beautiful
2: sport. It's a it great is. sport. It
1: is. It's quick, and it has scoring, and it has but, an amalgamation costs, of playmaking like basketball and all that The problem is, of stuff. it
2: costs a lot, man. The the yeah, equipment, equipment yeah, is almost as bad as hockey, and I mean, that's bad. But yeah, uh, lacrosse isn't that bad, but it's still bad, and that's part of the problem. So I would love to see lacrosse become more inclusive. But I don't see how it can happen very easily. It's kind of like uh, little league baseball and soccer in America, and in, in soccer in other countries, uh, kids just play on dirt, and they don't need SUVs bringing everybody around. They don't, and, need, and the, the, they the don't need an
1: enclosed place with astroturf yeah, and no wind a, and rain. They don't rain, need the rain,
2: parents and all right. that. They just play like hmm. kids in America used to play baseball fifty years ago. They just play. Uh, we got to get out of that too, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. We have
1: a, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up that discussion at a later time. I, I look forward to actually seeing you. It was a weird football season just being so sequestered with everybody and, August. Uh, August.
2: you know,
1: I, I'm looking forward to it. Listen, uh, thanks for spending the time. A uh, great conversation. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Dean. If you'd like to read or hear more from Dave, you can follow his blog on penlive.com, P E N N L I V E.com. If you want to get a link to that blog, you can go to his Twitter site and follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is D Jones Hoop. D Jones Hoop. And follow along. And we hope to talk to Dave again soon in the fall as we get ready for college football. Friends, we'll continue everything under the sun after a break. We'll come back and do what we've been doing this month. This is March, and this is National Weather Podcast Month. been talking to some folks who do podcasts here at AccuWeather. I'm going to branch out a little bit and highlight a podcast that some of our AccuWeather folks are involved in that they tell me is uh, an amazing thing, and I'll learn more about it. It's called the Disaster Podcast. We'll feature it up next after this. This is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com.
3: Listen to Weather Insider every weekday. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today.
1: Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. And uh, this is National Weather Podcast Month. We've been highlighting some of our own podcasts, including Bernie Reno with Weather Insider, that drops every weekday, our AccuWeather Daily. Uh, that's the stories of news in a nutshell from AccuWeather.com, the state and weather history with Evan Myers, and of course, this podcast, which drops weekly with myself and all of our AccuWeather experts and experts from around the world. But We're not the only weather podcast in the game, and we talked to some of our folks at AccuWeather that contribute to other podcasts outside of the AccuWeather umbrella. And one podcast of note that kept coming up in the conversation was the Disaster Podcast. And you're saying, well, that doesn't sound like a great listen, but I can tell you after sampling it here the last couple of weeks, it is a great listen. Now, weather's not the focus here In this podcast, as we'll find out, but it certainly is a big component and our own Becky DePodwin checks in with this podcast on a weekly basis. It drops on Fridays. We'll find out. One of the folks that is a regular contributor to this podcast, his name is Kyle Nelson. And, you know, Kyle... Reminds me a lot of myself, some man of many hats. He's a meteorologist. He's an emergency management professional based in Aspen, Colorado. Experience in working with local, state, federal agencies and response to weather disasters. He's primarily a 911 dispatcher and an emergency management consultant for Pitkin County. The Winter X Games ski patrol lead and a mountain weather forecast at Buttermilk Mountain and. Planning Section Chief for the Pitkin County and Northwest Colorado Type 3 Incident Management Teams. That's a long CV right there. But what he also does is instructs and develops social media, weather, climate disciplines for FEMA and other folks. He's really in that situation where he understands the ability to have this great information that we do about weather and problems that are occurring and how to communicate them. So it's my pleasure to welcome Kyle Nelson to Everything Under the Sun. So let's talk a little bit, uh, Kyle, before we get to you, let's talk about the Disaster Podcast. From what I gather, it is a podcast that's really kind of aimed at kind of the community of disaster responders, first responders in terms of uh, medical professionals, emergency medical technicians, doctors, emergency uh, management people who that have to work around catastrophic events and disasters. And really kind of weave weather forecasting and planning for things and then talking about how weather and climate and things are are affecting the potential or realization of disasters and is that kind of where I'm this podcast
3: goes? The disaster podcast has been evolving over uh, the at least six years of its life uh, or at least as long as uh, I've been with the crew there. And it's, it's a weekly show and, and you hit on a lot of those points, but it's anyone who is currently active in or who's interested in learning more about uh, disaster medicine. And that's the main focus of the podcast, really how it got its start uh, with hosts, uh, Jamie Davis, Sam Bradley, and Dr. Joe Holly, three fantastic, incredibly knowledgeable folks that uh, met at... The uh, EMS World Expo a few years back in, in Las Vegas and said, we have to start sharing and, and telling these these stories so that we can educate the community of, of first responders and of disaster responders and also provide the opportunity for those who have responded in the field to share their knowledge, their experience, and their stories with others. And I'll tell you that every week we have a ton of fun delivering a, uh, I'll call it a caffeinated blend of uh, emergency and disaster medicine, both from the clinical side as well as the response side, but all surrounding uh, natural and technological hazards and uh, including the planning and response. Uh, we've really focused on a lot of cutting-edge topics in patient care, so new technologies, techniques that are coming out, as well as responder safety and best practices. Those are the cornerstones of the show. And uh, Becky and I, uh, Becky DePodwin and I, uh, are on that podcast on a on a weekly basis, and we color things in from the weather and emergency management side. And uh, we've even been so fortunate as to have uh, Sam or or Dr. Joe, when they're deployed in the field through one of their, uh, on one of these federal or national level disasters, they'll report into us live Mm. during the show. And so we'll get that boots on the ground, real feeling. And there's not another podcast that does it like we do. So if you're curious, check us out, disasterpodcast.com.
1: What day does it drop uh, for each weekly version?
3: That'll typically drop on Friday. We re- we record on Thursday, but if we are rocking and rolling in the uh, in the disaster world here, uh, we will drop and we'll sprinkle in some special episodes throughout the week as well. So this is kind of it's funny. I'm I'm looking at our executive producer Ken Prell,
1: and just kind of laughing because we've been taking that same approach. We drop on a on a Friday and then. You know, in some of the bigger storms, hurricanes, and in the snowstorm, we added, you know, a weather segment at the end that we can update and make it sound fresh and those kinds of things. So it's amazing how this all has grown. And as someone who grew into broadcasting through meteorology, but also sports, I envy you. Kyle, because, well, first of all, you're like me you have a man of many hats, and it seems like you're doing all the things that you love to do and finding a way to combine all of that. And one of the things that you also do is you're a very uh, accomplished ski patroller yourself. And uh, if I'm not wrong, you're the lead consulting meteorologist now for the X Games. Is that how I kind
3: of envision what you do? Well, uh, for, for the Winter X Games, uh, you are correct that I am a, a professional ski patroller, uh, also a mountain weather forecaster for Buttermilk Mountain and Aspen Skiing Company. Okay, uh, But on, on the X Games side, uh, my role is more focused on planning and coordinating the athlete medical care from, okay. from the ski patrol side. So wow. I, I represent uh, the ski patrol and Aspen Skiing Company. Uh, when we're we're with our planning team and our medical coordinator for X Games so that should an athlete become injured in the field of play or somewhere within the venue, we can provide that expert level care to them and facilitate their safe transport off the hill to a definitive level of care. Okay.
1: So, but I can imagine then, and even in that role, the meteorologist situation in you comes out or, or people are consulting with you or there's times and, and that's, uh, I had that cross uh, when I'm doing the PA for Penn state football and we have a lightning situation and they're you know, not only talking to me or wanting me to say certain things. I mean, that's actually added some credence to the announcements that I make. I think people know what I do. So, wow, that's just, yeah, you, you and I are very much liking in that being able to get Everything together of all the things—it's
3: never a dull moment, is it, Kyle? When you've got all those things going on, it really isn't. And and I've been fortunate to, uh, in, in recent years, expand my role beyond just being on the ski hill. So while I've I've maintained that role and the and the planning side on the athlete medical component of Winter X Games, I've also. Uh, grown into a role as a situation unit leader and planning section chief with our county's incident management team and so we provide an overarching coordination structure a command and coordination structure for winter x games because uh, for for the week of x games we essentially triple the population of our county. Uh, which becomes a box canyon in the wintertime. So there's right. uh, weather is a plays a huge role, not just in whether or not the events can go and whether it's safe for the athletes to to compete and and do their their stunts, but also with the the transportation. We have a, a single state highway that facilitates travel up and down our valley here in Aspen, and uh, we we had a few years ago a large snowstorm come in. And a single accident uh, caused major ripple effects in in traffic and being able to safely get patrons off of the venue and and back to where uh, their residences were. And so uh, in that role, um, that's where I'm interfacing directly with the National Weather Service representative who is deployed on-site in our incident command post and working directly with them to uh, provide that on-site weather decision support to both our incident management team, our responders in the field, as well as um, all the partners that help us to support uh, this world-class event that is Winter X Games.
1: Amazing. And uh, I, I think uh, one of the things, you know, I, I, I have that same kind of share that, situation that happens here in state college when we become the third largest city in Pennsylvania on a football game day that we hope we get back to uh, pretty soon. But, you know, we grow and have a hundred thousand people, 150,000 people really with all the people around and stuff uh, in a very small space. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, and more of those situations are evolving. I mean, this, this idea before pandemic we were seeing many more large crowd events Um, whether it be music festivals or concerts uh, you know, this coordination between weather and big event planning and has really become something that that's going to, I think even take on more importance Kyle here as we get out of the pandemic, because there's going to be a desire for people to get back together in large numbers because they haven't been able to for so long. So, yeah, this is a, a, a a niche where I think uh, a lot of folks are still learning and, I think the biggest thing is how do we continue to evolve how we communicate uh, with people that are going to put themselves in a position to be at risk if they're in a large situation,
3: large venue with potential for extraordinary or severe weather. Right. And that's uh, definitely something I I really hope we get back to that soon as well. Uh, It was a very... Uh, different experience in X Games this year without the crowds and, right. and including the. Uh, we also just got done hosting the the uh, FIS uh, World Cup and Grand Prix events at Buttermilk as well, uh, w- without crowds and without spectators. Uh, but we were still able to pull it off in, in the COVID era, um, much much thanks to uh, all all the planning and all the players involved. But uh, definitely, but getting back to the the communication side of it. Um, That's uh, a really, really uh, unique and special area and one where uh, there's definitely still a lot of best practices still to be discovered and also many to be shared and also lots of lessons learned, both on on the good side on how to do things proactively and effectively, and uh, also perhaps how to not do things uh, so effectively as well. So there's lots out there that we can learn from, and uh, I'm really fortunate to be with our county incident management team as Uh, The meteorologist in that situation unit leader role, uh, so that we can I can be the that voice to help communicate and translate some that complex weather information into usable, digestible, and actionable information for our uh, for the operations section chief and our incident commander, so that they can make those effective decisions to keep our field responders and the public who is attending those large outdoor venues safe. And uh, that's all supported by, again, our partners at the National Weather Service. With us, we work with the Grand Junction office very, very closely. And uh, additionally, when uh, I'm not working with our incident management team with the county, if perhaps it's through, uh, say, uh, another entity um, in on the private sector side, I do uh, weather decision support with the uh, Epicenter Innovation Deployment Support Unit. So we both deploy on-site and remotely to provide that uh, that weather eye in the sky, if you will, and that decision support for those large venue, especially outdoor events. Of course, AccuWeather is also involved in
1: that, in our AccuWeather for business sector with uh, our folks out in Wichita and back in State College. We do a lot of uh, large event and large situation forecasting and working with uh, Working with uh, folks like Kyle and everybody else, it's it's a we're very lucky in this country to have this very nice mix of public and private and 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 working together. Uh, really, a better enterprise than anywhere else in the world, and we all hope that continues. Kyle, it's been amazing talking to you again. Uh, you can tune in the, the Disaster Podcast drops on Fridays, just like everything under the sun, and. A lot of great inf- inside information about uh, planning, and and you know, I think the more uh, that people are interested, if this is something that you're interested in, these are the kinds of resources, like everything under the sun. I think for you to get really good, unfiltered information from the people who do it every day, and I think that's what has made the podcast
3: world so successful here in the last several years. Right, Kyle? Do you agree with that? Absolutely, it has. And it's, it's really inspiring and it's a ton of fun to share uh, these experiences, Dean, like you and I have had and, and how our career paths have, have evolved in those non-traditional ways. And so uh, broadcast or meteorology Uh, students or recent graduates. If you're you're considering these types of careers and where traditionally, right, it's been academia or, you know, uh, you take the, the forecasting and operational track, or maybe you have to go research or into broadcast. There's so many more ways to apply your passions and your knowledge, and that's continuing to evolve and you can carve out your own niche too. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you. Say hello to host Jamie Davis and everybody else at the Disaster Podcast. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So if you'd like to listen to the podcast or get information about it, they have their own website. It's called disasterpodcast.com. There's information there, including about host Jamie Davis and ways to download it, the links to get to Apple podcast, Google podcast and get to that podcast. And if you'd like to uh, follow along and learn more from Kyle, He's got a a handle that's looks like it's universal across all social media. It's WX Kyle Nelson. That shorthand we talk about for weather WX. So WX Kyle Nelson, all one word. That's his handle on all of the social medias to follow along with Kyle. Thanks so much, Kyle, for joining us. I look forward to talking with you again. When we come back, our final segment is with our lead long range forecaster, Paul Passlock. Get a little update on the spring forecast here is in our second episode of the spring series we'll take a look ahead at the weather for this weekend and the week beyond you're listening to everything under the sun from accuweather.com whether you're at home getting ready for work packing the kids lunch or commuting listen to accuweather daily subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host here as we get into our final segment of our second spring episode here on Everything Under the Sun for 2021. And I thought, you know before we get too long in the tooth and spring, that we should get our long-range expert, Paul Passlock, to come in and just kind of give us an update on the spring forecast and also to do what we normally do in this last segment is talk about the weather for the weekend ahead and then the week beyond. Paul, it's good to see you, talk to you here this morning. You know, one of the things that when we went in depth in the spring forecast a few weeks ago, we talked about in the Great Lakes in the Northeast, kind of a hangover To winter, and we saw that a little bit uh, in the beginning of March. We're seeing a couple incursions of chillier air, but I guess a lot of people want to know, myself included, living in central Pennsylvania, am I getting past the threat for frosts and freezes and those kinds of things here? I know we had such a flip last year in the Northeast, right? March had gotten so warm, and then boom, April came and we got into snowy cold. Uh, So, Uh, are we going to ease out of this uh, maybe a little chilly stretch here in the next week or so into some spring here in the Great Lakes in the Northeast? We'll start there first.
4: Here's the thing. We are not over with winter-type cold in in respect, I think, at night. Some of these lows can get pretty cold at night. During the day, yes, it could be chilly, um, at least if you're outdoors playing sports or you're doing some work in the yard. The wind's blowing. It'll feel chilly from time to time still, but it's not like that winter kind of cold and during the daytime, but you might feel it at night because we do have uh, some changes as we get into the first week of April. I think for the Northeast Great Lakes, Mid-Atlantic states, uh, we're going to have a a pesky little upper level system that's just not going to go away. And people are going to be like, come on, get out of the way, get out of the way, (laughs) maybe for four or five days. Mm. uh, Temperatures can be below normal. And at night we could have a night where the, the sky clears, the wind dies, and and, and you know we're getting way down uh, where we should be and we can get some frost. The place that I don't think we're going to get that kind of chill, maybe very briefly, and that's about it, is the Northern Plains, which we touched on in our spring forecast, right. could have also a little hangover. That area looks like they're pretty much done. They'll have a little bit of drop downs here and there. It's the Northeast still that I think we still got a little bit more of a hangover going on.
1: And then the other thing that looks like it's happening in the Upper Plains and the, and the Great Lakes here in the spring forecast is we've uh, gone that little quicker transition to spring in those areas, but also a wetter situation now. We had talked about wetness uh, in the Ohio Valley, but it looks like not only wetness, but severe weather potential now is a little farther north in our thinking here as we go through the spring in some of those areas. Is that true?
4: Our timeline was for to expand into the Ohio Valley and parts of the lower Midwest. Uh, during April. And the timeline that we set when we first talked to Dean was, is right on because we thought early March, we'd have a little bit of a struggle to get severe weather going. We did have a little bit of one event that took place in the Southern Plains, but now it's really getting going. We've had one event, we have another event coming up and maybe a third event after that in late March and early April. And it's right in the wheelhouse, uh, you know, in the, in the Mississippi Valley, but it is expanding northeastward. I mean, we will see some severe weather in parts of Ohio and Kentucky coming up, and that's basically the trend we saw, expanding northward in April, and then late April and May, mid-Atlantic and parts of the you know, upper Midwest as well could get into the action. So I think things are working out on the severe weather uh, idea, a uh, little concerned that we we're kind of struggling getting out of the powder in the West, and that's what produced that severe weather event in Oklahoma and North Texas uh, that we saw early in March but i think that uh, things are going to start focusing in the mississippi valley ohio valley midwest going forward
1: and not only just the severe parameters of thunderstorms that we look at the the hail and the damaging wind gusts and the tornadic situation but just general synoptic wind we've got one of those that's coming and mm. you know this this uh, end of this week that we're dropping this podcast on friday and it's going to be awfully darn windy in the northeast and up into the great lakes so a pretty strong wind event And those are the kinds of things we can see here over the next couple of weeks as these temperatures really try to work themselves out, right?
4: A windy pattern coming up. I mean, the 26th, the 28th, the first week of April, I think there's going to be wind involved in this pattern. And I'm sweating it out here because the snow and ice got me this year, Dean, on my pool cover. Uh, (laughs) It uh, broke the line that holds the pool cover down. So I had a secondary backup and that broke too. And now I got a bunch of jugs holding the pool cover down. (laughs) If we get too much wind, I'm sweating it out. Uh, You know, I mean, I I guess, you know, I could take the cover off by late April, but we're talking late March, early April here. I don't want to take that cover off and these wind events are not helping. (laughs) So I hear you.
1: Anything else uh, before we transition to taking a look at the next several days ahead? Anything else from the spring that you kind of wanted to update a little bit as we uh, look at that forecast and any signs of some things that you're working on on the summer forecast
4: yeah just a couple quick things here the west california the uh the pattern has hung on a little longer the uh they're still getting some rain and snow out there that will uh, persist here to the end of march then another period in mid-april may sneak into southern california that's holding down the severity of drought in california and also parts of the four corners region got some healthy snow so That's held things down a little bit in the short term, but they are expected to get back into drought conditions by the summer. We are working on the summer forecast. I'm trying to get all my years right and what I'm matching up here, Mm -hmm. I'm really concerned about uh, maybe a little bit more shifting of where the dry and drought may be during the course of the summer, possibly over the central, the heartland uh, of the U.S. And that would be bad news for agriculture if they get hit with a more severe drought or high heat during the course of the summer months. So that's something we're looking out for. We'll get you more details on that though, as we get to maybe late next month when we talk, Dean,
1: we're talking with our chief long range forecaster, Paul Passlock here on everything under the sun here from accuweather.com. And along those lines, it looks like a warm, dry weekend for the middle of the country and up into the uh, Northern Plains and the intermountain West. I mean, uh, spring's gone to the Western side of the country, uh, little dip in the jet stream and chillier stuff for the eastern seaboard. Once we get rid of that wind on Friday, then we have another quick hitting system that comes in with some decent rain up along the I-95 corridor and some chillier temperatures, New York up to Boston as we get into Sunday. And I'm still seeing some pink and some blue in the upper Great Lakes (laughs) and into northern New England. And I know, yeah, that's that kind of, we're ready, Paul. We don't want to see those colors on these maps anymore.
4: No, no, they just drive us nuts this time of the (laughs) year, whether we're working or even outside trying to get outside and do activities. But uh, the thing is, is there's a lot more blue on the front side than I than I think is going to happen. There's just not enough cold air in front of the system uh, to have a lot of snow. But I am more concerned when something tries to develop off the eastern New England coast, that some cold will come down in places like uh, the Adirondacks, the northern mountains of uh, New England. Maine and Eastern Canada, they could have a healthy snowstorm out of this sometime later Sunday into Monday morning. So Right.
1: And uh, then there's there's another situation where I think uh, we could see another kind of wrap up low mid to late next week as we start to change that calendar. And that concerns me too, is some of the modeling that I'm seeing another shot of cold air into those places you're talking about. And again, these are the, this is the kind of pattern when you're trying to, bring in that cold air and you're wrapping up an area of low pressure, you just kind of watch along the coastal areas here for something a little bit more major than you would like at this time of year.
4: Yeah, indeed. You know, watching this, it's like you have a, a Southern storm track and then you mm-hmm. have the Northern cold. I'm like looking, it's, it's like looking at the middle of the winter, trying to come together <laughs> right. and phase together. And uh, yeah, you're right. There's something that's uh, threatening here mid to late next week yeah. um, that we have to watch out for.
1: Yeah, I definitely that that concerns me. And just I mean, we're right in the wheelhouse of that time where we can just bubble something up really strong. Um, at least right now, it seems to me the pattern's progressive, right? Uh, especially this last week or so. It's just like wait a day and you get into a different air mass. Mm-hmm. You might be lucky to string a couple of nice days together. But I think that kind of continues here as we go into next week. It looks like things are going to fairly move along. We'll just have to make sure that we don't get caught with something along the eastern seaboard. Certainly something to keep an eye on.
4: I think for most of the next week, Dean, I think by next weekend, we could slow it down a little bit. That's where the cold comes into right. play in the Northeast and the warm in the West. So uh, just, just through most of next week, it's still progressive. Like you said, but watch out next weekend into the following week. Things might slow down a little bit.
1: All right. So that uh, winter hangover may hold on in the first couple of weeks of April in some of these places in the, in the Northeast and for the weekend, you're in good shape out West, although uh, still no moisture to be had out in the uh, Western side of the country, which is uh, certainly drowning and then going back to some of the, Things you were talking about, I, I don't know that we we hit on that. I think you've expanded some of your severe drought areas for the spring, right? A little bit farther up in the uh, Western Plains, up all the way to the Canadian border for severe drought? For
4: Yeah, the, we, you know? we did. We did. And they missed out on a lot of snow events mm. up there. They've been uh, running below normal and just very little snow. And, and, and another uh, tidbit, uh, going a little farther east into the upper Great Lakes, like Marquette, they've lost all their snow last year. I think they had like two feet of snow on the ground. Still. They lost everything.
1: This was so incredible. Just remember just how much, how that cold came in and then how it retreated so quickly. And, and we're seeing that a lot lately where, you know, a couple, you know, a week or so out, something looks like it's going to stay cold for three or four days, but then you get a shot of it for a day or so. And then it retreats pretty quickly. So it just seems like everything's on the move right now. And, and, you just got to get on the trends of the modeling to, to kind of figure it out day by day. But that's what we're here for at AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com, right?
4: That's right. And, <laughs> um, you know, I just I, I think that the plains, you know, the, that's the drought area that we're watching uh, and will stick. The fire season will kick up uh, in the southwest first. It'll get bad probably later in the summer in the west. And the wetness will prevail in the Tennessee, Ohio Valley with the potential for more flooding situations. That's that's it in a nutshell here, going through the rest of spring into the start of summer, Dean.
1: Paul, we look forward to talking with you as we get into uh, later on in the spring, as we get ready for summer. Thanks for all your hard work and the work of the long-range team. We'll keep up to date with that and look forward to keeping up to date with you on AccuWeather.com. Great. Thanks, Dean. You can check in with Paul on his Twitter feed, Paul Pastelock. his name all one word, P-A-U-L-P-A-L S T E L O K, Paul Pastelock on Twitter. And Paul and his team, you'll find and see and hear them on all the stories on AccuWeather.com and our AccuWeather Network, our forecast team for the long range meeting just about every day, every week to talk about uh, things going into the future. And it's uh, certainly great work that they do, and we appreciate it. Also appreciate the work of hundreds of AccuWeather team members from across the world that do so much to keep you weatherproofed every day. And very big appreciation on this National Weather Podcast Month to our great executive producers, Andrew Robb and Ken Prell, for getting everything together and lined up. And to edit all of this, it's quite an undertaking, but they do it amazingly. For all of us here at AccuWeather.com and our world headquarters from from around the world, our hundreds of team members working so hard to keep you ahead of the storm and weatherproofed every day. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. We'll talk to you next week for episode three of our spring series with everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com.